about what you'd like to have written on your tombstone? Few people have thought of that. Most of us probably haven't. Some of us have arranged it ahead of time, what we would like our tombstone to read. And I think most of the time when we think about what we'd like our tombstone to read, we think of something solemn, something noble. But there are a few weird ones among us, and one of them would be Dustin Hoffman. You know who Dustin Hoffman is from Tootsie and Rain Man? Dustin Hoffman has prearranged for his tombstone to say this, I knew this would happen. And he did. He did know this, was, this would happen. We could all put that on our tombstone because we all know that either that will happen or Christ will return. And Christ has not yet returned. We expect Him to return any time. But short of His return, 100% of people who are born will taste physical death. So this morning we have Last week, finished up the Acts story. And before we go to another book, we're going to do just a short little series on something that is probably, I think, the topic of the greatest interest among all the topics that we could do. I think I've been asked more often to speak on the afterlife than any other single topic because it is something, I think, that holds great interest for us. Also, I think that it is a topic that a great many Christians have a lot of misconceptions about. So we're going to take the next couple of months or so, give or take, and we're going to look at everything that the Bible teaches us about what we are to expect in the life after this one. We're going to look at all the relevant passages for heaven, for hell, for the intermediate state between the time of death and the time of our eternal existence. We're going to look at the resurrection, and then this morning we're going to begin everything by looking at what the Bible teaches us about the beginning of all of that. The beginning of all of that is something that we know of as death. So our message this morning is a message about death. It's not a funeral message, but it is a message in which we will seek to gain a biblical understanding or regain a biblical understanding or affirm a biblical understanding of Physical death. And so everything that we're going to talk about this morning is in regards to physical death. The Bible teaches us that there is more than one kind of death. In fact, there are three kinds of death that the Scriptures speak of. Physical death, spiritual death, and eternal death. We'll talk about all three of those in their due time, but this morning everything that we're going to talk about is what we would think of as physical death. And again, I think that especially when it comes to physical death and the afterlife, then we have a great many misconceptions about what the Bible teaches us that we should believe about physical death and about the life that is to follow after that. I think that the topic of of our physical death is a topic that holds great anxiety and great fear for a great many of us. Even many Christians will have a um, a uh, an unsettled notion about physical death. Sometimes Christians will have an outright fear of death, and that is truly a sad thing. It's a sad thing for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's a sad thing that, because it is absolutely inevitable. Tertullian, the great church father, once said, how poor of a thing it is to fear the inevitable. And so when we fear the inevitable, we're fearing something that cannot be escaped. So it's sad that Christians would fear death, but it's even sadder when we begin to look at what the Scriptures teach us about what believers in Jesus Christ should look forward to, not just after our death, but should look forward to in our physical death. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. 
we are going to um, open the Scriptures and begin looking from Genesis to Revelation at what the Scriptures teach us about physical death and what comes after physical death. Um, and what the goal of the, of the message this morning is going to be is going to be, first of all, to dispel some misunderstandings about what physical death holds for us. But then, even greater than that, the goal this morning is to show all of us, remind all of us, that the Scriptures teach us that physical death for the believer is not a negative thing, but it is a positive thing. We have three points this morning in the message, and all three of those points teach us something that the Bible teaches us that is positive about our physical death. And as we go through these three points this morning, you'll see that all three of the points are increasing in the level of positiveness that we are to have about our physical death. So we begin with point number one. You want to have your sermon notes handy. You want to have your Bibles handy because we're going to be all over the place in both of those. So point number one is this. For the believer in Jesus Christ, physical death is not punishment for our sins. And I think that is a misconception that we sometimes hold that physical death is a punishment for our sins. And for the believer in Jesus Christ, physical death is not a punishment for our sin. I think we believe that because we know that the Scriptures teach us that death is a result of sin. That death exists because sin exists. And the Scriptures do teach that very clearly, in fact. For example, Romans chapter 5, verse 12 tells us that just as sin came into the world through man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all men have sinned. So death exists because sin exists. And so physical death is a result, it is a byproduct, of, a, of living in a sinful world, living in a fallen world. However, the Christian should be careful to, to always understand that physical death is not a punishment from God for our sin. Jesus Christ on the cross bore all of the punishment for our sin. And that included His physical death. So therefore, God cannot punish us for our sins because if He did, that would mean that He's punishing sin twice. And God would not do that because that would be unjust. Romans 8 verse 1 tells us that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So physical death is not a punishment for sin for the believer. It is a result of sin. It is a consequence of sin. It is an effect of sin. We live in a fallen world and so Christians still get sick and we still die of physical death. However, our death is a different sort of death from the death, the physical death of an unbeliever. Because we live in a fallen world, we live under the effects of sin. And those effects of sin and those consequences of sin are not something that God removes from us in their entirety at the moment that we are converted or the moment that we believe. God removes from us the penalty for our sin, but He does not remove automatically all of the effects of our sin. For example... If you were, to say for example, you were a murderer, you were convicted of murdering someone and you were serving a 50-year prison sentence for murdering them, and in prison you came to know Jesus Christ and were converted. You aren't then released from prison and then considered to not be a murderer anymore. The effects or the consequences of that sin must still be played out in your life. And the same thing is true for physical death. Now some of us may think, well, I think that the Scriptures will sometimes connect physical death with punishment for sin. And we must be very careful when we think of passages like the Ananias and Sapphira passage 
or Uzzah in the Old Testament. Remember Uzzah who touched the ark and he was struck dead. Or Ananias and Sapphira who lied to the Holy Spirit and they were struck dead at that time. And so sometimes we see death occurring in close proximity to sin. And a conclusion we might come to is that the death was a punishment for that sin. However, if those people were redeemed people, if they were in Christ Jesus, then again, the death that they, the, the physical death that they suffered could not be a punishment for their sin because Jesus Christ bore that punishment. The effect of their sin, the consequence of their sin, may be closely related to the sin itself in such a way that we would see a one as the result of the other. And again, the Scriptures teach us that the effect of, of our sin is physical death. And Christians aren't spared from that effect, but we are spared from the punishment. The same thing would be true for us today. Um, some of us may lose our physical life as a result of our own sin, as a direct result of our own sin. Perhaps uh, you've smoked for 40 or 50 years, and uh, that may result in your physical death. Or perhaps you uh, live your life in such a way that you flaunt death, that you flirt with death, that you engage in very dangerous activities. Sometimes people get a, get a real thrill out of engaging in very dangerous activities, activities that, that flaunt death. And sometimes that may result in their physical death. And if that, if that is the case for the believer, then that means that their physical death was a direct result of their sin, but that's not the same thing as saying it's a punishment for their sin. But God has not removed all of the effects and all the consequences of our sin, but He will one day do that. The last consequence, the last effect of our sin that God will remove from us is our physical death. Look at what Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, In Adam we all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each to his own order. Christ the firstfruits. Christ was the first one raised. Christ the firstfruits. Then at His coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end. When He delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and every power, for He must reign until He has put all His enemies under His feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. The last enemy that Christ will destroy is the enemy of death. And so before His return, all believers, as well as all believer, unbelievers, will experience physical death. Now, for the believer, physical death, again, is not a punishment for their sin, but for the unbeliever, it is a punishment for their sin. Romans 6, verse 23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. And for those who are outside of Christ, they have not been united together with Christ, and so therefore Christ has not taken the punishment for their sin. Therefore, when they die a physical death, their physical death is in part a punishment of their sin. Their physical death initiates or begins an eternity of punishment for their sin. And part of that is the physical death that they experience. But for the believer, the believer in Jesus Christ does not experience physical death in the same way. Here's the thing to get here. Believers and unbelievers both die physical deaths. But those two deaths are different things. An unbeliever dies a physical death, and upon their physical death, they bear the full brunt of everything that physical death means. And everything that physical death brings after it. The believer experiences a physical death that may look the same, but is not the same because it does not bear upon it all of the implications of physical death. 
And so the believer and the unbeliever both experience physical death, but they are different things. They are categorically different things. Look at what Paul's, look at what, I'm sorry, the writer of the Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9. We see him for a little while who was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Those who are in Christ Jesus will not taste death in the same way that Christ tasted death on the cross and in the same way that unbelievers taste death. The great preacher Donald Barnhouse, you probably have heard of him from a generation past. Some of you may be familiar with him and some of you may know that he lost his wife in her 30s to cancer when he had several young children. He tells the story of standing at the graveside at the conclusion of the service for his 30-something-year-old wife and his oldest daughter asking him at the conclusion of the service if he would explain to her what just happened to mommy. Now, as you're wrestling with the difficulty of that question, you can listen to Barnhouse's answer, which was masterful. He said to his oldest daughter, he said, imagine that you're walking down a sidewalk. And this sidewalk is right beside a road. And on this road, there are cars and trucks going down the road. And the sun is over here. So that as these cars and trucks pass by, their shadow falls on the sidewalk. Now, which would you rather be hit by? A truck or the truck's shadow? And the child, of course, said, well, the shadow. And he said, mommy was just hit by the shadow of death. As a believer in Jesus Christ, she was not hit by the truck. She was hit by a shadow of what physical death really is. Because Jesus Christ stepped in front of the truck for her. And she bore the brunt of the shadow of death, which is still a parting, which is still a difficult thing, as we'll talk about as we go through. However, it was not the same as being hit with the reality of physical death that unbelievers endure. So, the first point for us this morning is, for the believer, physical death is not a punishment for our sin. The second point you'll see in your sermon notes is this. Physical death is an important part of our sanctification process. Physical death is an important, and I'll say indispensable part, of our sanctification process. You'll remember what sanctification means. Sanctification is the process by which the believer becomes more like Jesus Christ. We become more righteous in our thoughts, in our emotions, in our actions. We begin to resemble Jesus more. We don't think more highly of ourselves, but instead we become more righteous and more Christ-like in reality. And so sanctification, an important part of that sanctification, is the physical death. For one thing, when we die physically, we cease sinning. And sanctification is all about becoming less sinful and more like Christ. And so at the moment of physical death, you have sinned your last sin. And so physical death represents a ceasing of sin. If physical death held nothing else for us than that, it would still be something for us to look forward to. If you love Jesus Christ, and if it grieves your heart when when you sin, and when you think of your own sin putting Him on the cross, then the thought of stopping that is a precious thought to you. And so when we die, we have ceased to sin. Paul says to the Romans in Romans 6, verse 7, the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now the context of Romans 6 is spiritual death, not physical death. 
The context of what Paul's talking about there is being united together in Christ in His death and being raised to walk with Him in newness of life. So Paul's talking about spiritual death there. However, the same thing applies to physical death. Physical death means that the believer has ceased to sin against God. And if death holds nothing else for us than that, it is still something to be celebrated and something to be rejoiced. However, let's push the ball a little further down the road. Physical death is an important part of our sanctification process, not only because it means that we cease sinning, but also because it means that we become more like Jesus Christ. As we die our physical death, we unite together with Christ in a way, we become like Him in a way that we were not like Him before. We become like Him because He died a physical death too. And as we die a physical death, we become like Him. We share in that experience with Him. We become like Him as we die. I'm reminded of a story of a terminally ill man who was lying in his hospital bed very near the end, and his family was there with him, and he says to his family, I have one request that I would like for you to do for me. I would like for you to find a politician and a lawyer, and I'd like you to bring them here to my hospital room. I'd like for them to be here when I pass on. And the family was, was kind of puzzled by this, but they, they happened to know a family friend that was a politician and another family friend that was a lawyer. So they got in touch with them and explained that this was his last request and, and would they come and be here when, when this dear father of theirs passed on. And they both agreed, so they came to the hospital room and the man asked the politician and the lawyer if each one would stand on either side of his bed. And they said, we will, but why? Can you tell us why? And the, and the man said, well, I've always read that Jesus died between two thieves. And I want to die like He died. So when we die our physical death, we, we become like Jesus, not in that way, but we become like Jesus because we experience physical death as He did. Now, when we die a physical death, we don't die the same way Jesus died. They don't crucify very many people these days. But more than that, we don't die like He died because He died a substitutionary death. Our death is not substitutionary. However, there is an important way in which our death can be and is supposed to be like Jesus' death in the sense that death is the greatest unknown that you will ever face in this life. And so therefore, it is the greatest single opportunity for a believer to exercise faith. Faith is, again facing what you can't see, facing the unknown, and believing what God has told you to be true. That's what faith in Hebrews, Hebrews 1, or I'm sorry, Hebrews 11 verse 1 tells us faith is the assurance in things that aren't seen, right? And nothing is greater, nothing is more unseen than physical death. Physical death is very unnatural for us. God created us as body-spirit beings. He created us with a soul, that is immaterial, and He created us with a body. And our body is part of who we are. You're not fully you without your body. Just like you're not fully you without your soul. God created you as both body and soul. And He created you to exist for eternity as body and soul. And so when you experience physical death, which is the separation of your soul from your body, that is very unnatural. That you can't even, if you think right now, try to imagine yourself existing without your body. You can't do it. Because you were not created to exist that way. 
Your existence was, was designed, you were made to exist as a body-soul. And physical death is the separation of the soul from the body. And so therefore, it is a very unnatural thing to face. We can know everything that the Scriptures tell us about physical death and still not know what exactly we are incurring when we experience physical death. Therefore, death is the greatest single opportunity for the believer in Jesus Christ to exercise faith, which is exactly how Jesus faced His physical death. Remember how Jesus was not, as He walked on the earth, He lived in perfection, but not in the sense that He was God and He just supernaturally quelled all the temptations that faced Him. That wasn't how Jesus lived His life. He lived His life as a man of perfect faith. Remember in places like Mark 13, it even teaches us that in order for Him to live as a man with perfect faith, He had to willingly put aside knowledge that was available to Him as the Son of God. The disciples ask Him, you know, what's the, what's the Father's plan? When are you coming back? When are you setting up your kingdom? And He says, I don't know. Because if I knew those things, I couldn't live as a person of perfect faith. The same thing is true with His death. As Jesus faced His physical death, He also was facing the greatest unknown of His life. And He faced it with faith, which was His greatest opportunity to exercise faith in this life. And it's important that the believer in Jesus Christ look at their death in the same way. It is your grand finale. It is your final opportunity, your greatest opportunity to express faith by dying well, by dying with faith. Look at what Paul says to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings becoming like Him in His death. Paul doesn't mean to become like Him in the sense that He's going to become like God. He means to become like Him in the sense that Jesus Christ exercised perfect faith in the face of the greatest unknown that He could have faced. Physical death. Facing our physical death with faith is how we can become like Christ in that way. Just look at the richness. This is on the back of your sermon notes now. Look at the richness with which Scripture tells us this. From Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful unto death. Philippians 1, verse 20, It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed. Be ashamed by facing physical death without faith, It's my hope that I won't be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Be honored in my body as I face physical death with faith. 1 Peter 2, verse 21, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in His steps. Your example was how Jesus Christ faced His physical death with faith. Facing our physical death with faith is the greatest opportunity that the believer has to become like Christ in the sense of perfect faith facing the greatest unknown of your life. That's the second point. The third and the final point this morning is this. First of all, physical death is not a punishment of sin for the believer. Secondly, physical death is an important and indispensable part of your sanctification process. 
And thirdly, physical death for the believer is a blessing. Physical death for the believer is a blessing. Now before we look at the Scriptures that teach us that, let me make sure that you did not hear something I didn't say. I didn't say that everything about physical death was a blessing. And I didn't say that physical death was a blessing for those who don't experience it. In other words, those who are left behind. But the Scriptures most definitely teach us that physical death is a blessing. We see this from the very beginning of our Bible. If we turn to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 is a point in time in which no one had even died yet. No one had even experienced physical death yet. Adam and Eve had experienced spiritual death in the garden as they chose to disobey God. And that spiritual death had separated their soul from God, which is spiritual death. However, physical death had not even been experienced yet. God has just gotten done proclaiming the curse upon man and woman and upon the ground and upon the serpent. And as soon as He's done expressing the curse, He says this in Genesis 3, verse 22. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us. So it's like this conversation going on among the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit are having this conversation. And they say, Behold, man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, the next verse is, He removes him from the garden. Now you probably have read that verse before and either didn't understand it or were afraid that you did understand it and didn't like it and kept going. Because it is a little bit unsettling. Because it seems as though God is saying, we don't want man to live forever. We want man to die. We don't want man to be immortal like us. So let's take him out of the garden so that he can't eat of the tree of life. However, let's think about what God is doing. God is blessing mankind with the gift of death. Because as sin has entered the world, the corrupting effects of sin will grow and increase and, and expand. And there's no stop to it. There is no stop to the effects of sin. The consequences of sin are like a snowball rolling downhill. You cannot stop it. We cannot free ourselves from the effects of sin through our obedience. You can obey God perfectly forever and still not free yourself of the consequences of sin that you have now incurred. You cannot obey yourself into health. You cannot obey yourself into perfectly pure thoughts. The consequences of sin are upon us. And in His mercy, God says, I will not allow the consequences of sin to continue indefinitely. I will give mankind the gift of physical death. I will remove him from the garden so that he is unable to eat of this tree of life. And it doesn't explain there what that means, whether if Adam ate of it one time, he would be physically immortal, or if they had to continue eating. It doesn't explain it, and that's not the point. The point is, God says, I will remove him from access to that which would prevent him from dying a physical death. Because a physical death will be a blessing to him. 
I oftentimes hear elderly people speak of the weariness of life and how they're just tired and weary. And I'm not at that point, obviously, but hopefully I'm interpreting what you are expressing. If you are near that point in your life, hopefully I'm I'm expressing that correctly when I say that you're not weary of life. You're weary of a sin-tainted life. You're not tired of living. You're tired of living under the curse of sin. And that's why oftentimes physical death is so ambiguous. Why it's so difficult to get your mind around it. Why part of you wants to welcome it and part of you doesn't. Because you don't want to stop living. But you are tired of living with the curse of sin and the effects of sin upon you. And God in His mercy says, the only way that the freight train of the consequences of sin can be stopped is to stop this physical life, remove the spirit from the person while the part of the person that was damaged by the taint of sin is repaired, and resu- or not repaired, but resurrected and then rejoined together. Imagine it this way. Think, think of living on the perfect piece of property. If you're a beach person, maybe the perfect piece of property is beachfront. If you're a mountain person, then maybe the perfect piece of property for you is some, is some mountain property. But imagine you live on the perfect piece of property, but you live in a dilapidated, old, broken-down rental house that is nothing more than a shack. Windows are broken out. There's leaks in the ceiling every time it rains. It's dripping everywhere. You've got holes in the floor. It's rat-infested, cockroach-infested. All the appliances are broken. The floors are just stained and damaged. This place is a wreck. But it's situated on the most perfect, pristine property you could imagine. Now imagine you win the lottery. What would you do? I'll fix this place up now. Let's take the millions of dollars I just won, and I'll fix this place up. I'll replace that window right there. I'll fix that broken spot in the wall over here. I'll patch all the leaks on the roof. I'll uh, fix this, the holes in the floor. I'll get a new, some new appliances. We'll get some mouse traps and put them out. No, you wouldn't. You'd say, call the bulldozer. We're going to start over. And we're going to build our dream house. That is physical death. God says to us, do not underestimate the effects of sin. The effects of sin are so staining and so corrupting that I cannot fix it. Instead, I will bless you with the gift of physical death, remove the Spirit from you, while the rest of you awaits the resurrection in which what you tainted with sin is resurrected to a different life, a life that was meant to be all along. That's what Jesus is talking about in John 14. He goes to prepare a place for us. He's not talking, folks, He's not talking about building us a mansion in the sky, as the song so incorrectly teaches us. He's talking about preparing for us the incorruptible body 
that we were meant to inhabit. When we pass from this life to the next, we'll talk next week about the intermediate state, but when we pass in death to the next existence, we are not yet where God would have us to be. Because we are existing without a body. It's not until the resurrection when God reunites the Spirit back with the incorruptible body that He meant for us to live in. It's not until then that we've reached the existence at which we were intended to exist. The moment of the resurrection is the first moment of your existence in which you will exist as God designed you to exist. From 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, John says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. Because the resurrection hasn't come. But we know that when He appears, and the resurrection occurs, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. Now, we're not going to get too far ahead of ourselves because that's the resurrection. But physical death is a blessing in the sense that it is the only way It is the only way that we can exist as God intended for us to exist in bodies that have never been corrupted by sin. Sometimes I hear Christians talk about the two Old Testament examples of those who didn't experience physical death, Enoch and Elijah. Sometimes I hear Christians talk about them and say, well, maybe God would do that for me. Do you really want that? Do you really want that? I'm not suggesting that God didn't somehow bless Enoch and Elijah in incredible ways. I'm not suggesting that at all. I am saying though, do you really want to bypass the necessary putting down of that that cannot be repaired, waiting for a time, and then picking up that which was meant to be all along? Look at what Paul says to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? The victory is swallowed up in Jesus because the victory was Jesus' on the cross. And so death has no victory over us. Psalm 116, verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. Do you really think that God would call something precious that was not good? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. Let's finish with Philippians 1, verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. To die is gain. Do you really believe that? I mean, in your heart, in your heart of hearts, do you really believe that physical death is gain? I fear that some of us do, but many of us don't. We know we're supposed to. We know that the Bible teaches us that. And so we will always give the, the correct Sunday school answer and say that we do. But I really fear that many of us don't believe that. And we don't believe that because we've become way too invested in this world. We've become way too comfortable here. And all of our treasures are stored up here. Our physical treasures and the treasures of our heart, they're all stored up here. And so we think of death and we know that the Scriptures teach us that it's, it's good, it's positive, it is gain. But yet, we don't feel that way because all our treasures are here. The point of the next two months is going to be to shake us free from that and show us that what is to come is infinitely better than your grandest imaginations. There's a story I once heard about a a lady who 
was a faithful follower of Christ. And she goes and makes an appointment one day with her pastor and comes and talks with him and says, I'm here to just talk about the arrangements for my funeral. And she went on to talk about some Scriptures that she would like to have read and some things that she'd like to have said and how she'd like her favorite Bible in her, in her hand and the casket and everything. But then she went on to say, I would also like a fork in my right hand. She said, a fork in your right hand? What is that supposed to mean? And she said, well, haven't you ever eaten a good meal? When you eat a really good meal and the hostess comes and takes your plate, what does she say? Keep your fork. Because it means, when they say keep your fork, it means the best is yet to come. you really believe that? Do you really believe that the best is yet to come? Many of us don't. And the reason for that is because we've become, we've become so ensnared with the cares of the world, just like the parable of the sword. The weeds and the snares and the toils of this world have choked out the Word that teaches us that the best is yet to come. We're going to do some weed eating and some weed pulling over the next few weeks because in your grandest imaginations, you cannot possibly imagine what is in store for us 